Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Huge game tonight in Minnesota. Should the Lakers roll back with the same starting lineup they used in Chicago? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast, it's always free. It's never going to be behind a paywall, and Locked on Lakers on YouTube is the place where you can go and hang out with 14,000 subscribers, uh, all of whom are interested in Lakers. They're talking Lakers NBA. Uh, they responded in a big way to the win on Wednesday uh, in Chicago and are looking for another one of those on Friday. We're going to talk about uh, potential lineup questions because that really is uh, what was on everybody's mind, both the good and the bad from Wednesday. Um, mostly good. It was actually oh, no, it was mostly, mostly good. good. It's a question of like, could it be gooder? Uh, the whole game was good. But, you know, this, this one tonight, Andy, though, uh, Anthony Davis – spoke before uh, Wednesday morning at shoot around before the uh, Chicago game about uh, some get back, you know, the Lakers um, needed a, you know, wanted some get back against Chicago after what happened on Sunday. Um, they owe Minnesota a couple things. They owe Utah a couple things. They obviously lost to Houston. Um, the, 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 the Minnesota games got a lot of it because the Lakers have been getting their butts kicked by the Timberwolves for the last couple seasons. Yeah, they are one in five in the last six games against the Timberwolves, including 0 for 2 this season. Interestingly, the last time, though, the Lakers were a pretty good team, which was the 2021 season where things were actually going pretty well before Anthony Davis and LeBron got hurt and the wheels before fell the off. wheels came off. <laughs> they were 3-0 and that season. So whether it's a matter of just proper roster construction or Dennis Schroeder's presence. Like we, we have recent evidence of the Lakers being good against this team, but lately it has been super lopsided. And obviously there are big time implications with this game because the Lakers, as of this recording, half a game behind the Timberwolves. They're currently and that's where eight. it will be. You know, no, Timberwolves don't play on third, didn't play Thursday. So there's, you know, the Lakers are going to be a half game behind going in. They can bump themselves up to a seven spot yeah. uh, with a win. Yeah. So. And look, I, I don't know Golden State's schedule in front of me, like just how crazy this thing can get. But just always remember winning is a good thing. Like it really, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy though. Like it's so hard to keep track of all this, but knowing that the swings can be so wild in either direction with a win or a loss at the risk of, oversimplifying this thing in a way that sounds condescending to everybody, winning's really good. If you keep winning, it's not impossible to catch Golden State in the sixth spot. If you keep winning, good stuff can happen. You know, you drop a game. Do I think the Lakers can, are going to run the table? Probably not. But, you know, the more you do, the better off you are. And, you know, it starts Friday night, Andy, and if, you know, getting in themselves into that seven seed um, giving themselves the home game in a just win one situation to get into the the big boy playoffs would be a remarkably 
good finish compared to where things were earlier this season. Yeah, also heading into this game against the Timberwolves, D'Angelo Russell is now off the injury report, mm-hmm. which means that hip responded well um, after the win in Chicago. Also, this is interesting, D'Angelo Russell's first game against the Timberwolves, much less in Minnesota, since the trade because the the game that they played against the, the Wolves post-trade uh, deadline – Russell missed that game. He was out with an ankle injury. So this is always an interesting thing for any high-profile player that gets traded. But in Russell's case in particular, I think it's interesting because I, I have no idea if he left the Wolves, you know, got sent out on bad terms, so to speak. But I'm pretty confident he didn't feel appreciated because it was pretty well known heading into this season, that the likelihood of him being on the team past this season was dicey at best. You know, Russell is is a is kind of a fascinating character in the NBA over the last few years just because he's one of the best transient players that you're going to find. Like, there's certain dudes who just kind of get passed around the league. And oftentimes it's because they're not very good (laughs) or they're Um, later in their career or they're later in their career or, you know, whatever it might be. Russell is very good. Is he a superstar? No. Um, And he was making max money, you know, off of that deal with um, with Golden State where he was signed, you know, and acquired as much as a, a salary figure as a as a ballast to hold space, you know. For, it's not even you know, as much as yeah. I, it was more as a salary. I mean, when he arrived in Golden State, the overwhelming consensus was the Warriors would like to try to make this work. They'd love to be pleasantly surprised. They're not expecting this to work. They they expect to eventually move D'Lo somewhere. And right. somewhere everybody predicted, frankly, was going to be the Timberwolves because he right. and Carl Anthony Towns were such are really good close. friends. And they they had recruited Russell hard heading into that period. And it's not that like, it's not like there was there wasn't the sort of level of drama there, uh, you know, Brooklyn with that big you know Kyrie and all that. It's like you know, and it, it wasn't like you know they didn't dismantle their team to acquire D'Angelo Russell in the way that, quite frankly, they dismantled their team to acquire Rudy Gobert. Um, but it, it still was like like you say, kind of a a fairly well accepted conclusion that he wasn't going to be on the team next year. Part of the reason they wanted Mike Conley was because he kind of fit a little bit better with what they thought for next year and all that and that sort of stuff. And now he goes into this free agency season and has said, you know, I don't feel 100% at home in LA. Like I don't, I'm not, he's not making any assumptions about where this is going to go. Um, I just, I too find, much for that. I, I, I agree. I just, I find his career arc to be, kind of you know it's so intriguing on so many ways and i wonder what would happen if he if he's only 26 correct i mean he's he's still 27 27 um you know i i i wonder what would happen if he found a place where he really did feel and could almost plan on being there for say four years and what that would do for his for his play 
Because he's never really had that, that feeling of being genuinely settled in one place with people who want him. Uh, I, I maybe approached that with Minnesota, but after that, not really. Oh, I think Minnesota was legitimately yeah, excited. When, they when wanted they first, it. Mm -hmm. Right. But and it didn't last very long is my point. No, his play was really up and down. He His most recent playoffs, he, he was frankly not very good mm -hmm. at all. But there were times where, he, including this season, where he played quite well in Minnesota, where he looked like a guy that could be a part of their future. And, you know, who knows what could have happened had the Rudy Gobert trade not have happened. And, you know, they've, they've had to do a lot of scrambling off that. The other thing, though, that I think is really interesting before we go to the break with, with D'Lo and sort of finding that spot for him, he is very much an alpha male personality with alpha male confidence. And that can be a tricky thing when you're a good player and occasionally, I think, a great player, but you're not a superstar player. No. And D'Angelo Russell, never say never, but I seriously doubt will ever approach superstar level in this league. I'm not even sure he'll ever make another all-star team. Oh, if I had to bet, he won't. Right. And... You know, you have to walk a certain line when, you know, he he has said this, including at his uh, reintroductory press conference after the trade. Like, he is an alpha male personality. And he also, he has an alpha male charisma that he is very, very much aware of. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that can, depending on the context, cut both ways. But... When he's been available this year for the Lakers, for the most part, he's been really good. And I and, and he, I think the energy, you know, that that personality and that energy has been very positive. I think for this team, you know, in in contrast to you know what was what was the energy that was produced with Westbrook. Um, and I think it was Alex Regula at Silver Screen and Roll we had a little mixtape today, isolating D'Lo getting super excited about watching stuff LeBron does. He's like he's like basically D'Angelo Russell is like everyone else who watches LeBron except he's got better seats. Um, like he's just really excited, and you know when things are going well as they are for the Lakers, that is a that is an important thing to have on the floor and enthusiasm and a reminder that basketball is supposed to be fun. Uh, getting D'Angelo Russell back in the starting lineup, Andy, was very important. Um, the starting lineup on Wednesday played extremely well. Uh, the numbers were fantastic. We'll unpack some of that next, but ask. It's still worth tweaking. Next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and the tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, really easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scorers to who will cut the nets down, or you can even get Saucy with an exclusive bet like the two-by-three, two three-pointers three scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. As of this recording, our friends over at FanDuel have the Lakers getting one point against the Wolves in Minnesota. It's as close to a pick as you can get, and this is a Wolves team, as we mentioned, that has been very good against the Lakers and is going to be mad after a loss to the Suns in KD, but... Shows the Lakers are getting some respect, and who knows, D'Lo revenge game perhaps coming. Do not miss out on the chance to get your first no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, so for the first time, unless I'm missing something, the Lakers started uh, in a game, went with the starting five of D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Jared Vanderbilt, and Anthony Davis. And the results on Wednesday against the Bulls were really, really strong. That group, um, you know, in in the minutes that they played together, uh, ran up the score. I think whether they were plus 20 and 17 minutes, I think it was, or plus 17 or plus 17 and 20 minutes. I'm getting my numbers backwards and I can't read my own handwriting. Um, but anyway, the point being, they were really effective in the minutes they played together. Um, the bench, however, was not. Um, and other than uh, Dennis Schroeder and Rui Hachimura, nobody had a point for the Lakers uh, on the bench, nobody else who played. And so what was really fascinating about the game uh, and this sort of post-game response, because people were really excited about the way the team played overall. but um, That's where they should be. Absolutely. But we're talking about... Um, you know, kind of what should happen going forward because there really was a stark contrast between the success of the starting lineup and the lack of success with the bench units um, as to whether or not the Lakers still would be better off playing. I'm sorry, and I was correct. It was plus 20 in 17 minutes. Um, would the Lakers be better off shifting Reeves, probably, back to the uh, reserve unit, sticking Troy Brown Jr., probably, back into the starting lineup and going there uh, ostensibly to get more balance in ball handling and playmaking with the reserves. Um, I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. Um, I think based on our conversations, you are, and what I've seen from you on Twitter, you're sh maybe shading towards tweaking that lineup a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting because you and I, a couple, I don't know if it was for Monday's show or Tuesday's show, but in anticipation, so many shows. Uh, there are five days a week, uh, never behind a paywall, though. So that's exciting. Um, we, we were talking about this, and it was pretty obvious that it was either going to be Austin Reeves or Troy Brown going to the bench. You know, Schroeder was a given uh, once D'Lo was back and once LeBron was back. Right. And you and I discussed this, and my thought at the time was I can see arguments in either direction, like the argument in favor of. Troy is, as a starter, is that he doesn't need the ball to be effective in his role. He's actually become, I think, a pretty willing shooter. He's a, a better connective player than I anticipated him being mm -hmm. when, when he first arrived here. And, and frankly, I had not seen nearly as much of him as I, as I have now. And it's easy to slot him in there. We've seen him be successful with that group. And then in the meantime... It makes it easier and more organic to get Reeves back in that second unit. He and Dennis had done a really good job running it together. It will be easy to get Reeves as many minutes as you want coming off the bench. You know he can close games because by definition, he has been closing games all season. He and Schroeder are regular closers and all things being equal would be playing off the bench for this team. So it's it's not hard to get Reeves those important minutes. The flip side against that, though, is you could just stagger the starting lineup that we had against Wednesday, against the Bulls on Wednesday, and it doesn't seem like it would be all that complicated to do, but 
Yet it Darvin has often, managed to, to not really do it very effectively in the first half. Or the second. There was a point in the second half where Anthony Davis was at the line and Darvin did a full-on hockey shift substitution. He took everybody out except AD because he's at the line and put in four new guys. The only real ball handler in the group was Dennis Schroeder. I mean, in the first half, I think he had about a minute and a half where none of them were on the floor. Right. And predictably in either uh, situation we're talking about, it went badly. And the idea that this team should always have two of LeBron, D'Lo, Reeves, Schroeder on the court at all times, I think Schroeder is... or Davis, or are you, are you talking ball handlers? Or, I'm talking or... purely ball handlers. I'm, okay, I'm that's talking... interesting. Because most, a lot of times when people, I don't, I'm going to cut you off, but I just as a framing, a lot of times when people object to it, they're they're talking about your stars. You know, you you can't have lineups where you know, LeBron and AD or LeBron, like, you know, it, it's, it's, you're removing essentially AD from that calculus and focusing more on the ball handlers and the ball distributors. It would depend, it would depend on how many minutes we're talking about all things being equal. I would love to have either LeBron or AD on the floor, but I'm even removing the AD specifically part of this because that has nothing really to do with the starting lineup versus the reserves because AD is obviously going to start. I'm talking about the guard rotation and the guard configurations because that I think has become a more complicated thing seemingly for Darwin to settle on and land on. Okay. Um, you can I see think, why I asked. You see why I, no, why no, I, I do to make the distinction. I do. And again, if you want to, if you want to make it so LeBron or AD is never off the floor one or the other, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just saying it's not what I'm talking about specifically. Mm -hmm. I think two of those four ball handlers slash playmakers should always be on the court, A, because functionally it helps, B, because it shouldn't be that complicated to make happen. It has become seemingly more complicated to happen than maybe even I understand. I'm sure there are things happening over a course of a game that we don't see, that maybe complicate this in ways that are not evident from a television. But that makes me wonder if maybe this becomes simpler to make happen if you play Reeves off the bench and you have a more organic, I don't know, an organic uh, flow of the game where Schroeder and Reeves are going to be grouped together seemingly pretty close to at all times. I um I get what people are saying on this one. Um and I I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out a little Darius Soriano here. There's some yes and no um with with a with 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 this question. Our friend over at Lakers Film yeah. Room and Silver Screen and Roll. Um but I, I kind of want to keep digging into this um next because I I, I've, I've spent, knowing we were going to spend today's show talking about this, I spent most of my workday on on Thursday uh, thinking about this question at the expense of my work. Um, and I, I kind of landed in, in a slightly different place. So we'll do that next. 
Uh, before we get there, I do want to let everybody know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Um, so on this starting lineup thing, Andy, my, my first thing is I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Um, I don't because and, 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 I, and I think it's related a little bit to what I'm going to get to. At, or at the very least, if there is a wrong answer, the Lakers don't have time to really de- really determine correctly what that is. Um, I, I don't think there's a bad choice on its face. Keeping the lineup that was awesome together and just staggering it a little bit differently on Wednesday versus... You make that happen. Right. Done. Versus sold. change the Fine. starting lineup, put Troy Brown, Austin Reeves, flip it around. I don't think one is way better than the other the time thing is i think what's critical here whatever they choose to do and i do have an opinion on it and i'll get to it in a second but whatever they choose to do they need to make a choice and roll with it what they cannot do with five games left i believe is kind of vacillate back and forth between Let's try this, or maybe we'll switch up the, the starting Six lineup here. Left. Six games left with tonight. Remember, Brian, they're they're thirty eight and thirty eight. They're a five hundred team. That's right. Um, you don't you can't, they don't have time to ping pong around and feel like this is these kinds of questions are the types of things that you know you on on a normal team. If this was the team coming out of training camp, they'd spend the first thirty five games of the season figuring out. They obviously don't have that kind of time. Um. And so with that in mind, I think it's important to make a decision and stick with it. And even if it seems imperfect, because the sample sizes you're going to be working with are so small that even if something appears to be better for two games, it might not actually be better. It might just be the thing that looked a little better in a really small sample size. I am inclined, though, to roll with the starting lineup and keep things the way they were and just come up with a little bit better of a stagger so that, like you said, you don't have these moments where, and I was thinking more in terms of LeBron, AD, D'Lo, Reeves, like your four best players. Sure. Where two of those guys aren't on the floor, Schroeder provides you the luxury of having kind of a four and a half where you can kind of competently... But you see, I think at- it matters, though. Like, I think the two ball handlers... That's why I was saying before about no, I no, that's being why I thought a separate it was, question. Sure, but I'm saying if you, especially if you include Schroeder in that capacity, but I also think you need you need you can't remove AD because the you know you have to have some kind of focal point of where offense can come from. Sure, and so I think part of the problem is sometimes they get into these lineups where it's hard to figure out where the shots are going to come from. Um, that said. You also need the ball handing their distribution of ADs out there and all that. Um, so Schroeder kind of gives you a, another half guy, so to speak, to add to that group um, to, to help make sure that your offense can function in, in, a, in, a, in a reasonable way. But the reason I think ultimately I'd keep that starting lineup together is you have now uh, six games left. What is your best lineup? What is the best lineup that you can put out on the floor? To me, with the Lakers, it's the starting lineup that they put out on the floor on Wednesday. And with six games left, I want to maximize the amount of time that those guys are on the floor together 
because that's going to be my lineup in in the in the highest leverage mo- minutes that I have left in the season. I want to maximize the amount of time that those guys can play together. Um, I want to get off to good starts if I can, and I want to have good finishes at the end. Um, and ultimately, I just want my best players playing together as much as possible, um, particularly in a situation where I just don't have time to mix and match lineups and to do things like that. And I, I think the tweaks to get the the better stagger are not that complicated. I, I've already said, if you can land on a proper stagger, I'm cool with keeping the lineup from Wednesday. And, you know, again, I, when I, when I mentioned before about how this made the idea of flipping, it may just simplify things mm-hmm. for Darwin and, and acknowledging that, there are going to be fans who are like, it ain't that complicated. And you and I have spent a lot of this show saying we don't think it's that complicated. It is important to remember that this may feel like a byproduct of Darvin being a first-time head coach, and maybe it is. And as frustrating as that might be to watch with a first-time head coach, as we start getting into these games that are so damn important, much less if the Lakers happen to be in the playoffs, and the importance of those games – streamlining even the things that you don't think should be that complicated. And you know what? Maybe next year when Darwin has a full season under his belt aren't that complicated for him. If they require streamlining, even if you think they shouldn't, you might end up having to do it. I agree with you. All things being equal, if you can stagger these things better, I would keep this lineup, and for what it's worth, when you mentioned before, they need you know they need to land on a decision. I think they have landed on. A I decision. agree. I, I think I think this. I think we've saw it. I just don't think they're always executing that decision as well as they could. One other part of that execution that I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch uh, to see how it evolves is the minutes of Malik Beasley, and then in particular. If those minutes either go to Lonnie Walker, if that position, you know, sort of that extra guard ceases to exist in a shortened rotation, you know, what becomes right now they're sort of playing nine and a half guys. Right. And I think one way to solve this, and and I'm I've been puzzled that it doesn't ever seem to be an approach, would be to give Rui more minutes. I I think that would be a perfectly good solution for offsetting whatever you think you would lose from either Beasley or Walker because you know, Rui isn't the same type of scorer as those guys, but I don't think he's any lesser of a scorer than either no, one No, but the, the, the type matters. I mean, I, I, but, I get I – mean, I know the Lakers fans have been somewhat frustrated a little bit with the patience that has been shown. Beasley, like, I – I'm still I'm I'm picking up the option for next year, um, both on on the guy's track record and Beasley on yeah Beasley on on you know on his his track record as a player, but also just structurally why yes. I, think, I just think it's important for the Lakers. I, oh, I, I, I know I, he's been, he's been awful um, with the Lakers for the most part. I'm still picking up that option, um, you know, with just the hope that this is temporary, but. His his I get the patience and I get the 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 desire to try to get him back in a place where he's shooting confidently and and do that because even Russell who is you know 
a volume three-point shooter and a good one at that, it's still different. It's still not, you know, a guy that you run off, you know, run off screens in the same way because Russell is so often on ball, first of all. You know, Beasley's rarely on the ball if things are going as they should. You know, you're running him off screens. You're doing all kinds of stuff. He's out on the break. He impacts the way teams defend sure. the right. And more than Rui Hachimura or really, frankly, more than Lonnie Walker, um, whether just based on reputation or deservedly, moves defenses, exerts gravity, and can change the way the Lakers offense functions um and so he's the one guy like i like i said you have you got to come up with a rotation you got to stick with it pretty consistently get guys into roles that they understand as fast as possible my only caveat to that is actually i'm still giving myself a little bit of flexibility to try to get beasley going i mean it just, well, to me it, i just feel like it's that important look i understand that and you know before we go he is he's the closest thing they have to a bender on this team like in terms of somebody who can mm-hmm. bend defenses through space i agree with you he's the closest thing they have there but where i think my patience is growing thinner than yours is even though i don't disagree with you in terms of why you would look for it and why you would try to string it along as much as it feels possible when Beasley's not hitting shots. And to Mm -hmm. me, this is a big difference between him and Hachimura who, you know, Rui may not be a brilliant defender, but he's not the liability that Beasley is. Correct. When Beasley is not hitting shots, he's bringing nothing to the table. He just isn't. I mean, he's not a great, no, I, I, I don't think you're, I, I don't even think you're wrong. It's just that, you know, as you know, maybe it's just being a little greedy. Maybe it's thinking, you know, oh, it, or it could greed, just be. A, could be at I'm this wrong. Point, look, all teams get greedy if they can at this stage of the season. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't think you're wrong. I just this is the, he is the only exception to my my whole premise on the starting lineup. On well, this is just get my best my best five person lineup the most time on the floor together, um, you know, playing together in, in important minutes, all this stuff, find a rotation. If you know, guy deserves to be in there and he isn't sorry, we'll, we'll roll it. I, I want to run it back next year. We'll all get another opportunity at this. I just think like when you think of the, the scenarios in which the Lakers do something kind of unexpected um, in the postseason, they get in the postseason and they make more noise than, a team that at best is going to finish three games over 500 or whatever should in that scenario, it's hard to come up with those scenarios without Malik Beasley playing well. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. It's also though Um, increasingly easy to imagine him not in the postseason rotation at all. Either way, just, just play Rui more. Just find five more minutes for Rui. Maybe, maybe we can both do, we can do, we can both get that. Um, I actually think, yeah, and we'll leave here. The, the balance between Rui and Vanderbilt could be interesting because, you know, Vanderbilt, as we've seen, has certain nights where it's like, okay, and then other nights where it's like, not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that is a place where where Darwin can kind of have a little more flex, but we'll see. Uh, huge game tonight. We will be back after Friday night's game to recap it. What is hopefully a big Lakers victory locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can see the show participate with the big Lakers community. We'll see everybody uh, after Friday's game.